we also have to understand what is this request? And I will see my enemy's downfall. That if Hashem is going to help me, then I will see I'll be able to have a um, uh, what's Nekama? A vengeance against my enemies, the Lechaira, seemingly, have a Leilavakish, Shahoivim, Vasainim, Yehabchul Ayavim. He should have requested, as we find often, that David requests in other places. Why is he requesting that they should fall? That he should be able to have vengeance against them. I'll be able to see that they're going to be. be demolished seemingly he should have asked that the enemies those who hate him should turn over to friends even though the hatred of David was only to those who hate Hashem so it's not such a bad thing that he should be requesting the Downfall of his enemies. Like it says in the verse, David HaMelech said, Those who hate you, Hashem, I will hate. Those who fight against Hashem, David HaMelech says, I will fight against them. Nevertheless, it says in a different verse in Tehillim from David HaMelech himself that Yitamu Chata'im Min Ha'aretz it says over there in the verse that sins should be should be wiped away from the land, from the earth. There should be no longer any inquity. But Chata'im Chazal Darshan V'loi Chaitim not sinners David HaMelech requested people should not sin anymore. But the sinners themselves shouldn't be wiped away, God forbid. The sinners themselves should be turned over to tzaddikim, to righteous people. And in the brackets it says, the Indian Zeh, this idea, Hugam B'Soyne Havaya, is also in those who hate Hashem, as we see in the conduct of our Rabbeim, especially by the Fidik Rebbe, that they drew close, they brought closer, even those whom it speaks about in the end of chapter 32 of Tanya, that it says people like that, you don't have to love according to Torah. Nevertheless, we see that the Rabbeim did express a love and a closeness and a focus on them. And they brought them around that they should do tshuva, that they should be good. And David HaMelech over here, who is turning to Hashem, and he's asking Hashem to help him fight his enemies, he's not just speaking about enemies that 
were enemies of the Jewish people that were fighting against the Yidin, he's speaking about enemies within the Jewish people, enemies that were fighting against him specifically. And although these people were not the way that they were supposed to be, there's no question about that, still we would have expected David HaMelech to express that they should do tshuva and they should no longer be enemies. Like the paragraph over here concludes and says, David HaMelech should have requested that they should do tshuva. What kind of request is this that I will see the downfall of my enemies? I will see vengeance against my enemies. There's the famous story of the great Jewish sage. I believe they tell the story about Rabbi Shmuel HaNagid, who was a tax collector for the king. And as a tax collector, he wasn't exactly the most beloved member of society. Think IRS. And he was traveling together with the king in the royal carriage. And there were people who knew that he was in the carriage. So there was one person who was standing at the street corner as they passed. And he was yelling out curses against Shmuel Anagat. And the king was horrified. Here his royal tax collector is getting persecuted for doing his job. And he said... To Shmuel Anagid, I want you to cut out his tongue. Rav Shmuel Anagid listens. The next time they were driving down the roads together, this man was standing over there at the street corner again, and instead of yelling curses at Rav Shmuel Anagid, he was yelling blessings at Rav Shmuel Anagid. Apparently, Shmuel Anagid went and looked after him and took care of him in a very kind and benevolent way, in a way that turned him over to a very big fan. So the king turned to Shmuel Anagid and he said, I thought I told you that you should cut out his tongue. What's he doing over there still talking? So Shmuel Anagid responded and said, I did. I cut out his negative tongue and I replaced it with a positive tongue. So the Mimer is asking, the second question that the Mimer asks, there's two questions. The first question is, what does it mean Hashem is amongst those who help me? And the second question that the Mimer asks over here is, why is David HaMelech in the second half of the verse speaking about vengeance against his enemies? Seemingly, it would have been more appropriate for David HaMelech, as you find in other places in Tehillim, to have requested that those who were fighting against him should do tshuva and accept his rule properly, but without violence. Okay? Good? Ready to continue? So in this next chapter we move over to a different verse in Tehillim, a verse that's actually one chapter later in Tehillim. 
This was from Halal, from chapter 118. The next verse is from chapter 119 in Tilim, the longest chapter in Tilim. But it's a verse which is related, connected to this one that we just quoted, that we just spoke about. And it also, this verse opens up the main subject which the Mimer is going to discuss, which is the differences between the three types of mitzvahs. Let's see. Chapter 2. In order to understand this. Makdim Bahamimer. The, the Mimer prefaces. Masha Omar David. This that David HaMelech said. Zmiris Hayuli Chukacha Bebeis Megurai. So in the earlier verse, Hashem is, David HaMelech is asking Hashem or thanking Hashem to save him, to be amongst those who help him against his enemies and allows him to see the downfall of his enemies. In this verse, David HaMelech is expressing that as he is running away from his enemies, the constant persecution which he endured, what does he do in order to calm himself down at night? In order to to relax from the constant tension of having himself chased after, literally, from those who are trying to kill him? So David HaMelech expresses that that Learning Torah is what David HaMelech did to calm down at night. He didn't have YouTube, so he wasn't able to watch kittens chasing buttons. So instead, instead, he studied Torah. This is what he did. The chukim of Hashem, the mitzvahs of Hashem, were like songs that were a consolation to David HaMelech Bebeis Megurai in the house of Megurai. What's Bebeis Megurai? Shebeis HaYesei No Vinod at the time that he was running away from his enemies. No Vinod means um, uh, going from place to place. Metultol Begeros Metultol means constantly moving around. Begeros in being a ger, a stranger from one place to another place. And that's the meaning of Megurai according to one explanation, as it says in the parentheses. Megurai milash and Geros, that the language of Megurai comes from the language of Geros, of being a stranger. So as long as I was running around being a stranger... And another explanation of Megurai is from the language of fear. And therefore, the Mimer continues and says, Umale pechadim, I was filled with fear from those who were trying to hurt me, as it says in the parentheses. Megurai milashan magar upachad, that Megurai comes from the language of magar, fear, pachad, a, a uh, intense fear. From those who hate him and those who were chasing after him. What did David HaMelech do? 
he received his tainug, his pleasure, his joy, in the words of Torah, you were mitzvahs, they were sweet, they, they, they were misukim, they were delicious. Life for for David Amalach, Kemoiz Miris Vinigunim, like songs that a person listens to to calm himself down. David Amalach studied Torah to calm himself down. Beautiful. Vitzarch Lahavim, we have to understand. Hare Yashribu Minetanugim. There are many different types of pleasures. There are many things that a person does to calm himself down. You could take a hot bath. You could look at a beautiful picture. You could eat a geschmack, a slice of pizza. Why does David choose specifically song to compare the pleasure that he received from Torah? Why is it song specifically that he says? Umadua medame David. Why does David compare hatainuk shahayolei b'divrei Torah, the pleasure that he had in the words of Torah, lahatainuk shabizmiris davka, to the pleasure that one receives specifically from song? So this is question three in the Maimer, question one of this paragraph. V'gam tzarech lahav, and we also have to understand, harei b'mitzvahs yesh gimel sugim. So here we're going to introduce the three types of mitzvahs, which is going to be a focus of this Maimer. You know what the three types of mitzvahs are? Mishpatim, Eidos, and Chukim. And the Maim is going to specify what each of these categories represent. Mishpatim, the laws, the rules, heim ha-mitzvahs shemichuyavim gam mitzad seichel. Those are the mitzvahs which logic dictates, which even intellectually a person would arrive at these same conclusions. That you have to do these things. Like, for example, let me an example. Murder. Murder. Or stealing. So the Mimer gives the example. Stealing. Cheating. Respecting one's parents. These are mitzvahs that logic dictates. As Chazal teach us, Ilu leinitna teira hayinu lemeidim, gazel minemala, utsnius mechatol. Even if the Torah had not been given, we would have known the laws of modesty from a cat. A cat is a very modest creature. It covers over itself, etc. And we would have learned the laws of stealing from a an ant. No ant will ever touch something that its friend touched. They have inherently embedded in them that you don't take what's not yours. You work a little bit harder and you find something that is yours that you can benefit from. This is something which is 
part of their DNA. And we would have been able to logically conclude these laws from these creatures. That's mitzvahs which are in the category of mishpatim. Clear? Then there are mitzvahs which are edes. Edes heim ha-mitzvahs sheheim ois v'zikarin. Edes are mitzvahs which are an ois, a sign, a zikarin, a memory. And edes is testifying to something. Like if a couple have a special flower that has a special meaning to them. So whenever the husband brings that flower home, he's communicating that meaning. It's not that that's what the flower means, but it's an ois, it's a sign for the message that they have, that they wish to communicate, and they've chosen this as a sign, and so on and so forth. Like a wagging finger. What is it? Ultimately, it's just a sign. It's just an indication to the person, and so on and so forth. So what are mitzvahs that fall into this category of edes that are an ois, a sign, a zikarin, a memory, towards something else? So in the parentheses, the Maimer brings Kamei Shabbos, Pesach, Sukkah, Utfilin. Shabbos is a edus, a testimony to Hashem creating the world in seven days. Pesach is a testimony to Hashem taking us out of Mitzrayim. Sukkah is a testimony to Hashem's love and care for us in taking when He took us out of Mitzrayim. Tefillin, we learned about just in last week's Parsha. What's lezikarin? It's a memory. It's a it's a reflection. It's an ois. It's a sign. It's an edus. That's in fact why we don't wear tefillin on Shabbos. Because tefillin are a testimony, just like Shabbos is a testimony, and we don't need both at once. So when we have the edus of Shabbos, we don't have the testimony of tefillin. There was someone who was shliach one time, was trying to convince to put on tefillin every day, to take a achlata that you should start putting on tefillin all the time. And he said, I'm ready to start putting on tefillin, but to do it every single day, it's too much, too much of a commitment. Right, Meisha? It's too much of a commitment. I'll show up to this, but every single day. So the shlich recommended that he speak to the Rebbe about his problem. So he went by the Rebbe for dollars, and as he was going by the Rebbe for dollars, he expressed his fear. So the Rebbe told him, don't worry, you don't have to put on film every single day. Shabbos, Yom Tov, you don't have to put on film. <laughs> so there are days that you have off. On a deeper level, all the Edes are a testimony to our being Hashem's nation. Just like in the analogy that I gave you earlier of a flower, that the testimony is to the husband and wife's relationship with each other. The testimony of mitzvahs is to our relationship 
to Hashem. It's testifying how we are here in order to project Hashem's existence here in the world. So does the mitzvah itself make sense? Keeping Shabbos? Eating matzah on Pesach? Eating in a hut on Sukkot? Not necessarily. But even though the mitzvah itself doesn't make sense, it's understood in the context of what it's trying to project, what it's trying to teach. Correct? So the gam mitzvahs elu yashlohem makoyim b'seichel. These mitzvahs too, when you give the proper context, when you give the proper background, you're able to understand what these mitzvahs are about. You're able to understand why you're eating the matzah, why you're sitting in the sukkah, why you're putting these black boxes on your arm and on your head. The hagam mitzad even though intellect on itself would never arrive at a conclusion that you should take black box with black boxes with leather straps and wrap them on you. Not for the fact that the Torah commanded and instructed us that this is what we're supposed to do. So it would not have been mechayiv, it would not have instructed these mitzvahs. And in the brackets it says, Unlike the mitzvahs of mishpatim, that even had the Torah not been given, nevertheless, we would be able to learn tznius, a modesty, from a cat, and stealing from an ant, as I mentioned earlier, nevertheless, now that the Torah did instruct about them, and there is that background and that appreciation of what they represent, now intellect too agrees that this is something which makes sense to do. And this is as opposed to chukim. These are the mitzvahs that have no logic, no rhyme, or reason whatsoever. The word chok, Chazal teach us, is in a way of chokakti. This is a statute that I've established. A decree that I decreed. In other words, why should you do it? Because I said so. Not because it means anything to me. Between us, Edis. Not because it makes sense, Mishpatim. But because that's what I said, and that's what you have to do, because I said so. Um, why was it that it, shouldn't, it wouldn't have made more sense for Hashem during Matan Torah to give Moshe Rabbeinu like Chukim? Only Chukim, yeah. Excellent question. We're going to see as we examine better what the advantage of Chukim are, what the advantage of Edis are, and what the advantage of Mishpatim are, why each of these three categories are necessary. And the Rebbe is going to explain here, as the Rebbe often does in various Maimarim, that really all mitzvahs have within them the idea of 
Chukim, Edis, and Mishpatim, all of them. Okay? But Tzarek and we have to understand, Mashakasav Zemiris Hayali Chukacha. So this is question number four in the Maimar. Why does the David HaMelech emphasize that your Chukim were like songs for me? Were a pleasure for me, that were able to calm me down, Bebeis Megurai. It's obvious that the pleasure and joy that David HaMelech had when he studied Torah was in all laws of Torah. Even when he studied the laws of Shabbos. Even when he studied the laws of stealing. He didn't just have joy when he studied the chukim, when he learned about, what's an example for chukim? What? Kashrus, okay. Paraduma, good. Paraduma is the ultimate chayk. Shabbos, we say, shatnes. Shatnes, not wearing shatnes, right? So these are examples of chukim. So that it's not only when David HaMelech studied these laws that he felt pleasure. He felt pleasure also when he learned Baba Kama, Right? Also when he learned the laws of Mishpatim, also when he learned Meshachas Psachim. Umahu So why did David HaMelech emphasize and highlight that specifically Chukim, Chukim Davka, they were what were songs and a pleasure for him in his um, moments of fear. So we have so far four questions in the Maimar. Two questions on the first verse we quote. Two questions on the second verse we quote. The two questions on the first verse we quote are, why does it say Hashem is amongst those who help me? Which implies also that the helpers are even more prominent than Hashem. So first of all, who are other helpers besides for Hashem? Second of all, why are they more prominent? Second of all, why does it say Vani er ebisainai? <clears throat> Why does it say that, uh, that David HaMelech wished for the downfall of his enemies? Third question is on the Pasuk, Zemir that why does David compare it specifically to the pleasure of song? And the fourth question is why does it emphasize Chukacha over the other types of mitzvahs? Good? Gimel. And the idea is the Zmiris who gam inyan hashvach. That the Zmiris has another explanation as well. It doesn't just mean the pleasure of song, it also means praise. When you sing the praise of someone else. As it says in Tanya, it brings down in the note. On the bottom, the source in Tanya, the Masha David Kara Divreitera B'Shem Zmiras. This that David Hamelach called the words of Tera as songs, who Indian Shvacha Deiraisa, is the idea of the praise of Tera. In other words, She David Haya Mishabeach. As Hatera, David praised the Torah, Bazah with this, Shachayus Kal Ha'ilamais, that the life energy of all of the worlds, 
Tolui is dependent bidiktuk echod midiktuke hatera. In one fine diktuk, one fine nuance in the nuances of Tayra. That a slight nuance in Tayra is something that gives energy to all of existence. So that means that if you read Torah, so we, we mentioned earlier, for example, just f- f- something contextual, Havayali Ba'izroi. So there's a slight nuance over here that we read the word Ba'izroi with a comets under the resh. Instead of a chirik under the resh, Ba'izri. And that slight nuance makes a huge difference, right? A slight nuance in Torah means a slight nuance like that. It has implications which have an effect on the whole entire world. This is greater than the butterfly effect. You're familiar with the butterfly effect, right? This is greater than the butterfly effect. That the butterfly effect is that the the butterfly um, um, flapping its wings in one part of the world has huge implications on another side of the world. The nuances of Torah have an implication on all of existence. Everything that exists in the world is dependent on the slight nuances of Torah. And this is what David was saying, that David is being mishabeach, he's praising the Torah, he's singing the praise of Torah. That the Torah is so powerful that all of existence is dependent upon it. This is like a blueprint. In the blueprint, the slightest nuance in the blueprint has huge implications in the real world. And the greater the structure that you're building from that blueprint, the greater the implications are. Like the bridges that end up several feet swerving because of a slight mistake. A mistake of millimeters on the blueprint. Torah is the blueprint of the world. And as the blueprint of the world, it has huge implications on the existence of everything in the world. And the slightest nuance in Torah affects the whole entire existence. That's the power of the Torah that we study. Okay? What's the connection between this explanation that that your mitzvahs were a song for me, meaning a pleasure for me, a relaxation for me in my times of persecution and my times of fear? And the other explanation that we're saying that David is praising the Torah, how precise it is and how upon it is dependent all of existence. So the Maimer says the, the relationship is through 
hisbainus reflection in the mile and the advantage in the shavach and the praise of Torah. Shakal ha'elamais betelim b'metzias that all of existence is bottled b'metzias is negated lagabe diktuk echad mediktuk etera to one nuance of Torah. Al yidei zepal ba'atzmai through this David Amalek was able to effect by himself. Shekal in Yani Hatera, Layitlam, excuse me, Shekal in Yani Ailam, Layitfisumakimetzle, that the entire world should be unimportant to him. In other words, how did David Hamelech calm himself down when he was running from place to place, persecuted and endangered? How did he calm himself down? He calmed himself down by reminding himself that it's all not important. I want you to imagine, as has occurred throughout our history, Yidin that are in the most difficult situations, that are hiding in basements, in tunnels, in 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 places where they're trying to escape from people who are chasing after them for their lives. And yet, they're sitting down with a Gemara and reading the words of Torah. And in this, they're finding comfort. In this, they're able to lift themselves up to a different world. They're able to remind themselves that the challenges which they're facing in this world are insignificant compared to the eternal life that we have in Teira. Teira is a shine of godliness, of spirituality, of holiness. It's a connection to Abishter, which lifts a Jew out of his circumstances, which may be trying and difficult, and allows him to enter into a different sphere, a different place. When David HaMelech remembered how all of existence is dependent on a tiny nuance in Torah. So David HaMelech was able to say, despite everything, all of the difficulties, all of the challenges which I'm facing, I have Torah, and that's what matters. I'm connected to Torah, and that's what's important. So the two explanations are very much dependent upon each other, the Rebbe says. So David was able to al through this through this reflection. Paul ba'atzme he affected by himself shakal in yani ha'elam leyitvesu makaymetzlay that all things of this world should not be tefes makaym by himself should not take any place. In other words, like when a person thinks of the minor inconveniences which he has to undergo in order to achieve something so much greater. But sometimes you have to remember how special and how beautiful the thing that you're achieving is. 
so that you shouldn't be bothered by the minor inconveniences. So through David HaMelech reflecting on the beauty of Torah, David HaMelech who was Noim Zmir Yisrael, who brought out the essence of Torah, the beauty of Torah, David HaMelech through reflecting in how special Torah was, how special Torah is, David HaMelech was able to not focus on those inconveniences which on the surface were not minor inconveniences. They were great inconveniences. But compared to the shavach of Torah, the praise of Torah, it's something which is very minor. Let's read inside. Even when it was not good for him physically, he was studying Torah with great joy. You could read accounts of the yeshiva infrastructures which existed in the ghettos in Nazi Germany. Here the Yidin were in the Warsaw ghetto in the most horrible conditions that human beings were ever facing. And yet, they had a whole underground yeshiva going on, where they were studying, where they were forgetting about everything around them and immersing themselves in the words of Torah. This is what David HaMelech said. That through appreciating Torah, the appreciation of the beauty of Torah, this brought him to that despite the circumstances which he was facing, he was able to find comfort in the words of Torah. So this, to a certain degree, answers the first question that we asked in the second chapter, the third question of the Maimar, why David HaMelech specifically chose Zmira's song, because the song also is expressing a song of praise about Torah. Now we're going to explain a third explanation for Zmiris. The first explanation for Zmiris was basically pleasure and comfort. The second explanation was praise. The third explanation is going to be a very different explanation. The Fidik Rabbi explains the third explanation on this word Zmiris. That's Zmiris. The word Lezamer also means to weed, to cut. So the word Zmiris is Milashan from the language of Chituch Ukrisa, of cutting. Kemoi Lezamer Aritzim, like to cut down Aritzim. This is a word which is used throughout Tanakh. An example is in Kapitol Lamed Zayin, the 37th. Chapter of Tilim, the 35th Basuk. Reisi Rasha Aritz U Misarika Ezachranon. That the word Aritz means a despot, 
a, a, a powerful, cruel person. And lezamer means to cut these people down. Gal yedei esekatayra through studying Torah shel David Amalech. That means when David sat and studied Torah, despite the circumstances which he was in, that caused that vani erev that nisbatlu kol that his enemies were cut down nisbatlu they became negated all of his haters and all of those who were chasing after him. Ukemaimer Razal, as our sages teach. Hashkem v'harev aleihem l'beis ha-medrish v'hein kalin me'elehen. There was someone that came and complained that there are so many people that are causing him problems. And the advice that he received in the Gemara over there was hashkem v'harev aleihem l'beis ha-medrish. Hashkem means wake up early. V'harev means um, uh, stay late into the evening. Harev, Erev. Stay late into the evening, alehen, um, upon them, that means earlier than them and later than them. Lebeis hamedrish, to the beis hamedrish, vehein kalin me'elehen, and they will disappear on their own. If you have problems and you're wondering, how do I solve my problems? So the advice of Chazal is, go learn more Torah. And if you go learn more Torah, if you wake up early and learn Torah, like the Seder Hashkim, which we have tomorrow morning, and Harev, stay late in the Beis HaMadrish, be the first to rise and the last to sleep. They will disappear on their own, as discussed in the commentaries on the Gemara over there, what this means. Now the Maimer again connects the earlier two explanations and this third explanation. We could connect these two explanations that we just mentioned, meaning the Shavach, the praise, which we already connected to, the comfort, the cutting down, the, 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 the destruction of our enemies. When one studies Torah in a way of cutting down, uh, 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 <coughs> excuse me, in a way of praise, that means appreciating the immensity of Torah, appreciating how great Torah is, as explained in Tanya, how the 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 most subtle nuance in Torah has. Effects on the whole entire world. That a person feels that the entire world is dependent on one diktuk of Torah. That means, forget about the headlines. Don't worry about all the things that it says in the news. Don't worry about all of the difficulties that you're facing. And just study Torah. Because that's where it all starts and that's where it all ends. It's all inside of Torah. You know the statement, don't, instead of telling God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. That's what this is about. Instead of going to the Abishter and complaining that you have such big problems, go 
and bring your problems. Hashkim Come and tell your problems how great Torah is. How great Torah! The Torah is so much greater than all of these things. These things are just dependent on slight nuances inside of Torah. So al through this nasa, what occurs is the masha matim Anything that is not appropriate for Torah, that means when a person throws himself, he immerses himself inside of Torah in a way that he appreciates the vastness and the greatness and the infinity of Torah. This causes that anything that is not aligned with Torah is not matim to Torah. And certainly something which is against Torah will no longer have any energy because the person through immersing himself in the feeling that nothing exists <coughs> except for Torah and the whole Torah is the, the the whole world? Excuse me. The whole existence is dependent upon Torah. So that will cause that in his life he will see that anything that's not in accordance to Torah dissipates. It's beautiful. You want to solve a problem that this problem seems to be contrary to Torah. Throw yourself into Torah, and this is Zmiras Milashen Aritzim. Zmiris from the Milachan Lazameritzim from the language of cutting down these um despots. Alpiza Yuvan Gam, according to this, we'll understand also, which is the second question that we asked in, in the second chapter, the fourth question of the Maimer, Mashakasov Zmiris Hayuli Chukacha Why does it say specifically Chukim as opposed to Mishpatim and Edos? Because the two ideas that we mentioned earlier in the Zemiris of Torah, which were the praise of Torah, the, in the parentheses, the Shvacha Dairaisa, the praise of Torah, and the Lizamer, reads them the cutting down, the negativity, the Klipa, Heim Be'iker Mitzad, Inyan Hachukim Shabbatayah. These things are accomplished specifically with the power of chukim. Now we're going to explain this in the continuation of the Maimer. First, we're going to explain it on one level in the sixth chapter of the Maimer. We just did the third chapter of the Maimer. First, we're going to explain it in the sixth chapter of the Maimer. And then on a deeper level, we're going to explain it in the tenth chapter of the Maimer. Um, We'll stop over here for today. David, do you have a question? Yeah. Uh, you said that uh, I don't know that you used the Torah, and that the Torah is like. Thank uh, you, Rabbi. Have a good day. You too, Yanko. Yeah, Rabbi, everyone loves you. Yeah. Um, uh, that we will use uh, that we will use the Torah, so that is that great that uh, our problems like uh, are like left behind, like it is. Right. They don't look that great after you, you see the Torah. But so the simple explanation no, was that. No, but, yeah. but then we said a deeper explanation. Yeah, that not only will the intensity, the immensity of the problems shrink compared to the greatness of Torah, mm-hmm. but even more than that, the problems will properly disappear because 
according to Torah, they should not be there. Over, but then my question is the next one, because the, the Rebbe said, said once that uh, Hashem never gives uh, situations or... The, the Gemara says... That, uh, that, that we cannot uh, overcome. The Gemara says, the Gemara says... But also the um, Rebbe, le, le, That... The Rebbe. We learned about it in Basiligani. Lefum gam l'shichna is another language that Chazal say that Hashem does not give a person problems that are too difficult for him. Yeah, and, and the Rebbe also said that you can throw in those problems. Hashlech al Hashem yahav chavhu yichal kalaka. That uh, throw your problems upon Hashem and He'll take care of you. So throw shouldn't be. Uh, instead of something that makes like disappear the problems, it shouldn't be like the tool to trump in the, in those problems. To what? To, um, Thank you. Uh, what? Triumph. Yeah, sorry. To triumph over the problems? Yeah. What does it mean to triumph over problems? Mm, overcome, overcome them. How do you overcome problems? Mm. How do you overcome problems? Okay. You overcome problems through recognizing that what you have, that what you have is greater than the problem. When you recognize that you have Torah and that the Torah that you have is more important than the problems that you face, then the problems suddenly subside. A person who is hyper-focused on the challenges which he's facing is a person who just becomes completely stifled, completely imprisoned by his problems, and he can't escape. He can't get rid of them. He's all the time thinking, Oi, if only I had more money in my bank account. And if only I had a little bit more money, then everything would be good and happier, and, and I just can't handle this. And he becomes depressed, and he becomes completely imprisoned and he's not able to do anything he's not able to accomplish anything a person who's able to remind himself that money is nice but I have things that are so much more valuable than money is a person who's able to deal with that problem you understand so they're the same thing triumphing over your problems is throwing your problems upon Hashem meaning recognizing that you have Torah, and through Torah, <coughs> and through the beauty of Torah, through the comfort of Torah, the problems just become meaningless. You have something which is so much more valuable, so much greater, so much more powerful than all of the problems which you face. And that causes not only that the problems become meaningless, but ultimately it causes that the problems properly dissipate and disappear. Okay?